Welcome to the third season of The Coaching Cast, your working from home managers club. Regardless of where you are working right now, at home, in the office, or a blend of both, or whatever you do as a career, we've got something for you at The Coaching Cast. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader, and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo, which suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie, sales and business coach at Future You Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, still parenting that toddler who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. In this podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment, presenting different topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips for you to take away and try for yourself. We hope you enjoy listening. So we've all been there, the challenging line managers who we get appointed to and who get appointed to us as well, who we know we need to get on with for the success of both our jobs, careers and future, but who we sometimes struggle with. But whose responsibility is it to fix the situation? Today, we'll be discussing how to manage your manager to get the best out of both of you. So before we get into it, let's talk about our week. Suze, what's been going on? Hi, hi, hi. Hello, everybody. Um, What's been going on? So I've had um, a pretty mediocre week, I'd say, like nothing too extravagant, nothing too exciting. Although, actually, now I say that, um, I did spend some time in a maze on Saturday. Um, So I went to a family, like, fun thing where you go in a maze in a, like, field of sweet corn. I think it's sweet corn. (laughs) I don't... Was Theresa May there? Was Theresa May there? Was she? Was she dancing around in a field of wheat? Is that what that was? (laughs) A field of sweet corn? Sweet corn, like corn husks. Yeah, I always find those things quite fascinating. But I yeah, doubt like, it was. I doubt it was a sweet cornfield. Where were you? You went in like America. You were in like. <laughs> so I was in Cheshire. Cheshire, um, <laughs> near. I'm sure it was like corn. Anyway, um, Teresa thought, was there. Teresa was there was in the background, like um, doing her dance. Waving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> she was one of the scarecrows we had to find in the maze. <laughs> Um, there was actually a Boris Scarecrow. Hello, was there? Oh, that's yeah. quite funny. Well, there you go then. Similar. So yeah, we went in this maze, um, which was quite fun actually. I really enjoyed it. Again, another like family-focused activity that's not too extreme, which I really enjoy. <laughs> I actually think I think mazes <laughs> are extreme. They're scary. You can't get out well, of there. You can't get out of there quickly. I actually was like with some other people and I had more confidence in their abilities to navigate us out than I did in my own. <laughs> Although these are, my two-year-old. <laughs> these are the days of Google Maps though. Like you could just get the maps function and go, can I get the directions out of here? Oh yeah, yeah. there we go. And it'll yeah. be like, turn left, turn yeah, right. Yeah, turn left. I could have yeah. it on loudspeak, like turn left, yeah, turn right. Um, I've actually got a pretty good sense of direction. So I... I, I no point did I feel like completely lost I kind of was like mm, I think I could get my way back out anyway we had to go around and find the scarecrows um and it was really fun actually I really enjoyed it but when we went in the guy who was running it was like this is your number you need to make sure you don't forget this number because you need to tell me this number on your way out of the maze he's like really don't forget it but like over labored the point so I was a bit like oh god like how complicated is this maze am I ever going to return oh no are they going to have to come in and find me and be What's like the significance of the number I think it's so they know you've come back out oh <laughs> <laughs> so we were number two like number two number two hello number two and it's like pitch black like nine hours later with a torch <laughs> trying to find me in the in the maze with Therese May <laughs> yeah exactly 
<laughs> oh god yeah see that i just think i think mazes used to scare me as a kid because i i didn't like the idea of not being able to get out quickly yeah I think i'm not actually claustrophobic well i suppose i'm a bit claustrophobic mm. yeah i can get that um i haven't been in one for years so it was actually like a novelty um and it was in the day i think if it was a night because you can do like nighttime ones, oh yeah that sounds even well. scarier i mean that would just be I would be tripping all over the place. Like I Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's oh, I'm scared of. of my own shadow. In a, in like, a field of wheat. Texas yeah, no way. No way. But anyway, so I went to a maze. That was quite <laughs> cool. Um, and then I've been like fully embracing the autumnal vibes. Like to put it bluntly, I've been putting my pyjamas on at about half four <laughs> most days. <laughs> that's not an autumnal vibe. That's just lockdown living. It's just <laughs> regressed into lockdown living. <laughs> Um, and I've really enjoyed it. I've really liked, I, I mean, I don't need any excuse to put my pyjamas on. And my mum's listening to this. She always laughs at me. She's always like, any excuse, you're like, bam, pyjamas on. I'm like, yes, absolutely. But I, I feel like I've got worse, like it's getting earlier and earlier in the day. <laughs> like soon, I'll just be like, I've woken up. Do you know what? Do you know what? There's no point even getting changed. I'll just stay in my pyjamas all day. I mean, that sounds amazing. But I have a two-year-old, so <laughs> that's not. I think, I think that's what most people still do as I said I think that's a habit from lockdown that no one's really given up yeah so anyway I'm fully embracing that um I've I've dropped off the exercise bandwagon I've, I'm much better exercising when it's lighter and not raining yeah, yeah. and I feel more motivated and energized to, to like get on it and do it I need and life's got a bit busy again now like post lockdowns and the exercise has really fallen down. So I need to get back on with um, doing a bit more exercise for sure. Because um, I'm just sat around in my pyjamas, like eating mashed potato and kind of like winter-based foods. <laughs> I, need- <laughs> I, do love, I do love mashed potato. Love mashed potatoes. Honestly, one of my favorite foods. Anyway, so yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell been my week. Anyway, how was your week? <laughs> so, uh, as usual, I like to give. We have alternative perspectives. You do the child friendly, and then I do the extreme opposite, being yeah. childless. And last weekend was extremely non-child friendly. In the, I went on my best friend Hannah's Hindu in London on Saturday. So I was always slightly nervous about this Hindu for a number of reasons. One, my friend Hannah is carnage personified <laughs> and she's the bride to be. And it was always going to be crazy on top of the fact that I haven't been out, out yeah. in nearly two years. As in, I've gone out but only really with Dom, my husband, and it's for meals and things, like nothing mental apart from his birthday, but that's a whole other story and is cannot be shared on this podcast because it's just too inappropriate, but (laughs) I'll leave you all hanging on that one. Um, But yeah, it's like my first proper night out, first night out with the girls, first night out with my girlfriend who are my besties, who I have not seen collectively on mass. We've not got together for two years. So it was always going to be a bit nuts on Saturday. Yeah, a bit savage. And it did not disappoint in yeah, that yes. it started at, the actual Hindu started at quarter past 11 in the morning and we went to a drag brunch in Covent Garden. Love it. There were over 30 of us that my <laughs> friend Hannah had invited, a lot of whom, to be honest, I don't really know. They're from her friendship group that she's grown um, in connection with her husband-to-be. And let's just say that by three o'clock in the afternoon, a 30-year-old woman was already being sick all over herself. Oh, no. She'd peak too soon. Uh, understatement. I, I mean, <laughs> I have no idea what she was drinking. I was like, I mean, I was, you know, I was having a few beverages, but Jesus, I don't know what she managed to consume in four hours that meant she was peaking already <laughs> at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was a, it was a sobering experience. I mean, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't sure which way I was going to go because I was so tired because I've literally worked every day for three weeks. I wasn't sure whether with all the excitement, the alcohol, you know, whether I was either going to be absolutely smashed yeah. by midday or asleep. Asleep. Yeah, it's going to go one. It was going to go one way or yeah, another, wasn't but it? I, but uh, unfortunately, this poor girl, just uh, what happened to her and witnessing it, I just sobered up immediately. I was like, whoa, this is too much for me. 
I, you know, I can't believe that this is happening already. And I felt for her as well. But like, it, yeah, that wasn't pretty. My friend dancing oh, no. around, my friend dancing around Leicester Square as an inflated, like in an inflated penis costume was the highlight. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. She, honestly, Leicester Square on a Saturday, it was absolutely packed. London actually felt like normal on Saturday. I've never seen it that busy. That's the first, that's the busiest I've seen it in two years. And she was dancing around a busker singing Ed Sheeran in an inflated penis costume. Oh, wow. With families and small children. I mean, it was hilarious. If I could share a video on this podcast, I would. Maybe I'll put it up on the Insta stories. But it was brilliant. It was hilarious. So, yeah, I paid that busker a couple of quid to say sorry. <laughs> oh. for, like, for, for ruining his performance. But I think he enjoyed it. Oh, Wow. Okay, so what time did you? What time did it conclude? What time did you make it to bed? Was it a late one? Well, I think it all stopped. I think the last stripper left because there was a few. <laughs> there was a few. There was a, the last stripper <laughs> arrived at eight o'clock in the evening. That's hilarious. I mean, how early is that as well? <laughs> left at eight o'clock in the evening, and I think my friend Hannah had already passed out before that and we had to wake her up to witness the last stripper which was hilarious, <laughs> which was hilarious anyway we're like Hannah Hannah you need to wake up now the last stripper's here you don't want to you don't want to miss this one um and she was like I want to go to bed and we were like yeah just watch the last stripper and then we got a rally like my friend rallied her got her a, I think a pint of water and a packet of crisps shoved, or a pint of coke got her back up again she watched the last stripper like and then went to bed. So I think I think Amazing. it pretty much wrapped up about eight thirty, and then and then there was like a group of us that carried on and got some snacks and some drinks in a nice hotel bar somewhere. So I think I went to bed about one in the end. But was she still in the penis costume when she was booked in no, the final stripper? She was she was in her final outfit by that point because they dressed her up about three times as well. But her right. last outfit was quite nice. I mean, it was like a like she had a head and veil and stuff like that. Yeah, her, her first outfit was a granny costume that had like sagging boobs. That was hilarious. The second costume was the inflatable penis, and it was massive as well. This thing, and then the third one was just like a veil and stuff. So we, we, wow. let, her, we let her look nice for the finish. I mean, that's a lot of outfit changes. That's a lot of oh, logistics. Yeah, yeah in, my, the, 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 the bride, the bridesmaids, who were also my best mates, did a great job. They really did. Yeah, sounds like um, they did. But yeah, it was really good. It was it was good. But yeah. Oh, I'm glad you had a nice time and let loose a little bit. Yeah, I don't need much encouragement to do that, really. As I said, I actually, I actually think it fared well. I could have been that girl puking on herself at three o'clock in the afternoon. Luckily, she beat me to it. So I was like, <laughs> thanks very much to that, that woman who I don't actually know very well. Cool. So should we get cracking with the topic? I think we should definitely move swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> Our managers are key people for all of us. They are there to lead us, give direction, support us, challenge and develop us. But to do this successfully requires a relationship to be in place. And what happens when this is not forthcoming? Whose responsibility is it to resolve this? We don't often get to choose our manager and vice versa. So it's important to invest in what you've got and try and make the most of it for both of your benefit. In general, building relationships, engaging with key stakeholders and networking are key activities when you work in an organisation, not just for progression, but for being successful in your day-to-day role, while also enabling you to enjoy it a hell of a lot more, because the more support you have, the easier it is. So let's discuss how to manage your manager and build your leadership network. Suze, what's your experience of like this term managing up? Can you describe a specific scenario and the steps that you took just to like help Mm. bring it to life for everyone? Yeah. So I think um, initially, let's just explore that term managing up. Managing up. I think it is a term which is probably more affiliated with working in an organization where there's a lot more structure, a lot more layers of management, um, maybe more stakeholders as well. So For me, the term and its kind of definition is about cultivating a trusting relationship upwards with your line manager or with key stakeholders who are um, perhaps more senior than you. Who, um, so I think 
that is a really important thing just to kind of define uh, first off. I think when you're, um, the important thing to remember when you're thinking about managing up and how to approach it and what to do with it is just kind of remembering that it basically is about jointly managing a relationship and building a relationship where there is as much as you possibly can have mutual trust, mutual respect. Um, and you have to, do, you actually have to really invest in it like you would any other relationship, either yeah. at work, with your family, with a friend, <clears throat> etc. Um, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes commitment on both parties. Um, and I'll come on to talk a bit more about what that means and looks like in a moment. Um, and I think if you go into it with that intent that you want it to be as positive as you possibly can and that you're willing to work for it mm. and to um, grow it, it can be a really positive and productive relationship to have. And like you said in the intro, a very important relationship to have mm. within um, the work context. Um, and I think, you know, it, it also has to grow and be fostered over time. and one of the key elements that underpins that relationship and, and managing up really is about how you cultivate and grow trust in my experience because when you're thrown together especially you have a new line manager and you don't know a huge much you might not know a huge much about them so you might not know where they've come from uh, especially if they've come from a separate organization they've recently joined or they've moved roles you might not necessarily know what their strengths are um what some of the things they're interested in how they work etc um you are literally kind of just two individuals who have to now find a way of mutually connecting building trust and, and working and moving forward and I think it's important to not get too bogged down in the whole kind of concept of managing up initially especially if you're new together it's about actually getting to know each other initially first and just trying to understand that other person and then thinking about okay from that point once you've established that trust that respect that understanding I now need to kind of transition my approach to maybe a little bit more around managing their expectations managing them to get the best outcome mm. for myself and also for them as well because remember regardless of what you do think it is true especially in organizations you are a reflection of your team and, and and of your potentially of your leader depending on what scenario you're in and so you know they have a vested interest in um, you know your performance your development they should if they're a good leader so you know it's really important to to not forget that I think in terms of um, what have been some of my experiences and the steps that I took I think um, I inherited a brand new manager who happened to be like a colleague so it was somebody I knew but I hadn't worked massively closely with so I kind of knew them um, from afar but I didn't have a huge amount of detail about their style what they were really good at what they enjoyed how they liked to be communicated with etc and um I needed to kind of really focus in on getting to know this person initially um and also one of the other things that I had very clear in my mind to start was is that they had very different strengths to me and I knew that and they also had very different perspectives to me and I did because I was quite conscious of that, I did go into that kind of, I suppose, part of building relationship with them, trying to embrace that this actually might mean that I've learned some new and different things from them. And so not then seeing that as a threat, the yeah. differences as a threat, because I think sometimes when you're thrown together with people who perhaps have different strengths to you in, in this position of, of being your manager that can sometimes be um a little bit dominant and that can ruin the intent of the relationship and I think if you go into it with that thought of actually this person is different to me but that's brilliant I'm going to learn some new things it initially gets you off to a good start yeah. does that make sense yeah absolutely that difference piece yeah yeah, okay. yeah absolutely because I think it's the having a different mindset around it to be one that's much more positive and productive and yeah. that enables you to be more effective. It keeps you in that more productive headspace rather than regressive into a place where you could be intimidated, uncomfortable, as you said, threatened 
which won't be helpful to you or them at all. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it, you know, I've already made this point, but I'm going to make it again to kind of labour the point, which is about I needed to understand more about this person because I didn't know a huge amount about them. And by doing that, that's what builds trust. That's what builds rapport. Mm. That's what allows that person to become an advocate for you in the business and in those kind of wider circles mm. um that especially in a, in a big organization because those opinions those sound bites really do have impact so your line manager can have such a big influence in terms of what is next for you and your yeah. enjoyment as well in the role absolutely let, so let's be real about it like you know they are a huge influence on our uh, how we enjoy what we do and and our day-to-day as well as our own progression as well absolutely so in terms of the steps to bring it back to your question um I think one of some of the things that I did is um I absolutely focused on delivering so I did what I said I would do and I was really really conscious and that was really important to me because it is anyway in terms of one of my values but I made sure I was really clear that I was delivering for that for that particular line manager so the other thing I did as well was in our one of our first one-to-ones was I asked them how they liked to work and how they liked to be communicated with and how they made decisions. And actually, I remember at the time that person said to me, wow, I've never been asked that question before. Somebody who um, like is now in my team. And I was kind of like, oh, wow. OK, right. But the purpose of obviously that question was for me to gain that understanding and that knowledge and awareness so that I could learn to flex my approach to get the best out of this relationship. And also um, I gave it back. So I then talked about how I liked to work as well, how I like to be best communicated with, and also what some of my motivations, aspirations were. So it was very balanced in terms of we both had that opportunity to express some of that stuff that was really important to us. And I do think that in that particular situation, that was, that got us off to quite a good start because mm-hmm. we did have a level of understanding which allowed us to then progress our relationship. I also helped them out as much as I possibly could within the realms of practicality. But, you know, if they were stuck with something, they had a problem, they weren't sure, I would try and help as much as I could to be somebody who they could lean on when they needed to and and kind of support them as well. And I also think being transparent. So um, this takes time to probably get to this point, especially if it's somebody you don't know a huge amount about. Like I've said, you need to build that trust and rapport. But I did give them feedback when I felt that they got things right and, and they were doing a great job or things a meeting had been really good or we'd you know had a really good um like team session or whatever it was I did give them good feedback but I also gave them constructive feedback as well so if something wasn't working for me I did um take that to them I wasn't scared of doing that and I think that's because I tried to go into this very much from a perspective of we are both equals and we're both balanced in this relationship we're adult to adult this is not a parent child Mm -hmm. relationship and for me in that scenario that worked really well and so I get you know that might not be the sense for everybody but they were some of the steps that I certainly approached in terms of um kind of better managing up and managing that new line manager at the time and I think what you're describing, all of which I think is really helpful to know and to learn from in respect of steps to mirror, because I think everything you've described is within everyone's gift to do. I think the key theme throughout what you've shared is the fact that you took responsibility for it. And I do think, you know, we can all sit here and debate that part of, well, surely the most senior person senior person in the relationship is the person who should take responsibility for that because they have the greater responsibility overall in their Mm. role but that's what I disagree with uh like hugely which is ultimately if it's about you for you and you know how important that is to support you to be successful and to enable you to enjoy your job and for you to get the most from it and really enable your growth actually that's your responsibility so you should take control of it like we can all sit here and like critique and moan in many ways about those who have managed us but that doesn't serve us you know 
actually, if you really want something to be different, if you really want something for yourself and you know yourself, hopefully better than anyone else. And I know we're all on a different journey with that potentially about our self-awareness and knowing what's good for us and how we best operate. But if that's the case, you've actually got the power because you've got the knowledge and therefore put yourself in control to go satisfy it. I, I know my personal experience I think of learning that lesson because I do call it a lesson um, (laughs) that I learned was triggered from being in a situation where I had transferred into a different part of a business. So myself and my whole team transferred. And with that, I took on a lot more responsibility. I took on additional team members. I took on a different location and a line manager. There was a lot going on. I was, but I came into um, a line manager who I just could not, to begin with, connect with at all. We were chalk and cheese, like so extreme chalk and cheese, (laughs) you know, very different styles, very different needs, I would say. And I found working for them extremely frustrating like so frustrating on the grounds that I just could not initially believe that they weren't willing to meet me in the middle and spend time to get to know me yeah because my my strong values are about authenticity and connection and you know I want to get to know the person that's really important to me to help me build a relationship because I want to know who they are as a human first and then I'm interested in their skills and everything else and because this person I was working for didn't have that same motivation you know they were very process driven very detail driven very data driven so we had very different preferences and styles and I think I I got more and more frustrated and upset actually I took it really personally to the point where actually I wasn't enjoying the job at all and I blamed them entirely for it it like it kind of it got a little bit I lost perspective I guess and I think I manifested them into the I suppose in many ways like the the devil of all things yeah and it just suddenly got to a point where I was like this isn't serving me at all I need to stop this behavior I need to stop these thoughts it's not helpful to me and actually I thought if I'm someone who really values treating people as human beings well I'm going against that because I'm vilifying this person yeah. And I'm taking away their sense of human from them without their permission, which is totally unfair. Like they are a human being. They have a family. They have priorities outside of work. It's just that in work, this is the way that they choose to be. And that's what works well for them. And yeah. I need to find a way to connect with them and appreciate them and recognize them for the skills and the strengths that they have that actually are really helpful to them this job their role actually the wider organization in all fairness and then use that as a way to enable me to find ways to work with them better and it took a lot of strength I'm not gonna lie like yeah it's difficult and because I was so angry and I was frustrated I was angry because in many ways I did take on the martyr hat for a while where I was like I shouldn't actually have to do this like it's their role to do this, not mine. I'm already having to do this for my own team. I'm already managing them in this way to get the best out of them, to support them. And I want that in return for myself. So actually I should be being given this, not having to find ways, be creative, take on even more responsibility to manage up, to get it for myself. It shouldn't be this hard, but it just got to the point where I was like, yeah, I can stay in that space for as long as I like. And actually I'll just carry on being frustrated and pissed off. If I really want to change this for myself, I need to put myself in control of it. I need to stop moaning and whinging and bitching about it. I just need to do something different. And 
in a way, I suppose it's a selfishness thing. Actually be selfish and do it to get something back for yourself. Like, you know, sometimes you just have to go and ask for it. This this person just wasn't aware. And it was really interesting, actually. The more I changed my mindset around them, the much better our relationship became. And I actually felt stronger to be a lot more honest and open with them and be direct and say, actually, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what, when you do that, you make me feel. And this is how I need you to do things differently to help me to be better. And they just had no idea. Like I, I think I really... I made it so personal as though they were doing these things on purpose to really piss me off. Mm. And actually they didn't know that that was what they were doing. Now, yes, you could argue and criticize them again for a lack of self-awareness and in the senior leadership role, if you're going to be a head of a department, you need to be a bit better than that. I still think that. (laughs) Yeah. But that just wasn't their strength. Like, and it, you know, it just, I forgave them for it actually in the end. I was like, do you know what? I forgive you for this because I need to for both of our sakes, but more my own because mm. I'm I'm making this so much worse. Like, <laughs> I think you raise a really interesting point there about when you don't aren't getting on with your line manager. And let's be real and honest about it. It sucks if you're not getting on with yeah, your line manager. You're not connecting, sucks. you're not gelling. You know, we spend a lot of time at work. So to be unhappy, it's, it's horrible. Um, but I think I've definitely been in that in that space. So I, I had a line manager a few years ago now who I didn't particularly gel with, connect with for various reasons. And I also definitely um, made them out in my head to be a villain. And it yeah. snowboard and snowboard. And they couldn't do right for doing wrong in my eyes. Everything they asked me, everything they said to me, everything they wanted from me, I just kind of came with such negativity and looked forward read far too much into it now I have the benefit of hindsight and I say I think if you are in that space it is important that we absolutely do take responsibility ourselves to check ourselves and Mm. that actually is this the reality of the situation you know that they are always demanding of me they are always criticizing me they are always giving me feedback or whatever those like negative things are that you're experiencing and feeling if that is purely what is going on truthfully going on then okay then there's a there's a solution that needs to be created there to to address that but actually what is the role of your responsibility within that and is there stuff you can do to help address and move things forward as well because very much the success of these relationships are based on that equality and that equal kind of trust and and respect and that has to be two-way and we can start very easily with ourselves first rather than focusing on the other person first. So I think you raise a really interesting point there. Mm. As I said, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It is hard. hard. It really Uh, is hard. But I cannot stress enough how beneficial it is. I know that as soon as I started managing myself more and choosing my behaviour and choosing my actions to support my manager, to manage me better, yeah, because that's how I describe it, I felt so much more, well, I felt a lot more in control. That was one of the biggest things was that actually I'm now in control of this and I'm now controlling the situation and I'm now managing it better. So therefore I immediately started to relax into it and not carry so much tension and anxiety. And definitely as I like that point you make about the balance and like getting on the same level. I st- definitely started feeling more in that space, which again helped me with my control, I think, because I felt yeah. a lot more a part of the relationship, not, you know, I suppose I felt involved in it rather than feeling as though I was constantly manipulated or like impacted by it. Yeah. And I just felt lighter. I mean, I describe how I feel about things as either heavy or light anyway. But I felt a lot lighter. I could breathe better, Mm. (laughs) you know, because I wasn't so angry, I guess. I wasn't so frustrated. I wasn't so wound up. So I was a bit like, oh, freer, you know, like I've got this out, I'm doing things. You know, I'm a woman of action. So I generally find that the more actions I take, the lighter I feel. I feel more productive. You know, I'm not just carrying stuff around. I'm just, you know, I'm expressing it. So like it was it was a really good experience, but it took that awareness it took that time and effort and committing to doing it and to continue I have to admit like 
I think the biggest thing that helped me was thinking of them as a person and yes. finding things about them that I could appreciate and celebrate so that I thought of them a lot more positively. Yeah. And I think as well, like utilizing your network around you, you know, <clears throat> if people are other people may be struggling to build that connection or rapport, I think talking to others, however, you need to be careful about that, that you're not them kind of gossiping or or being you know bringing office politics and in, in igniting that yourself but you're using using the conversation as a support mechanism to help mm. get some stuff off your chest and move forward and that it doesn't then kind of become all that you talk about with your network that's a really important yeah absolutely and I think yeah not just to get it off your chest I think actually it's really helpful to identify people who are closer to the individual whether it be your manager or whether this be a stakeholder yeah who can give you their thoughts advice perspective on how they work with them and what they do so like you can identify things you can learn as well as give you some feedback around if they are present and able to give a evidence-based uh view on what they're seeing you do Mm. That, you know, whether that in itself can give you some learning to go, actually, what other people are seeing you do is this, try this instead, you know, because, yeah, you know, that's also really helpful. But I think you're right in terms of positioning it in the place of I'm asking these questions or I'm asking for this advice to help me because I want things to be better, not in a way that's deemed as critiquing or slagging off or, you know, because that's, I mean, that's never going to go down well. And again, it doesn't paint you in a good picture. So why would you do anything that makes you look bad? And it's not kind, yeah? No, so it's not kind. It's not kind. And we don't get me wrong, we all have our moments, but we, we need to, you know, try and um, approach things with as much kindness as possible. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is if you are a, a manager or a leader right now and you are struggling with somebody in your team, I would really urge you to think about how have you tried to connect with them on a, on a more grounded and, and kind of holistic level as them as a person rather than as them in your team doing a job Mm. and playing a role like have you really spent time to understand or try to understand what motivates them how they like to be communicated with um what's going on for them outside of work and some things they may not want to share and that's absolutely fine and and you have to be respectful of that but there are certain things you can ask about how they like to work how they like to be communicated with etc and so I'd really um, challenge that if you're in a position where you are struggling with something in your team have you done that because if you haven't I'll go back and try and do that to try and help move things forward great I I totally agree and also have you been transparent about yourself like how you like to be communicated with what your expectations are of them you know what I think we're too quick to assume that everyone already knows this stuff yeah, no, like none of us are mind readers and we're not all the same. So I don't know why we think that. I think, you know, you've got to, we used to do, I used to do a great task, a lot of task, a great activity with new teams when I um, joined them or when I built them. That was where we would sit together and we would do an exercise called asks and offers. And I would say, this is what I'm asking of you as a member of my team and this is what I'll offer you in return and everyone had to do that so you would literally go around every single team member sharing that so that you had the opportunity to share your strengths your capability your skills and what you would offer to people but then be very clear about what you are were asking in return so it was that give and take i.e it was it was there to cultivate transparent relationships and to build those connections and it was such a good exercise it like really simple but really effective and it opened up that honest open dialogue straight away because it definitely gave you the opportunity to say you know what I need from you is um, I need time if you need me to complete that task so if you want me to do it I need to have a bit of notice because I don't work very well and I don't react that well yeah. to last minute requests. You know, it's that yeah. it was that kind of thing. And it was things like, you know, uh, you know, people being able to say, you know, I offer, I, I offer um, 
data expertise I love a spreadsheet you know it was things like that and equally someone could say I really struggle with um like data so I really need some help with things like that. Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of stuff so that yeah. people could all recognise, you know, what worked well and what didn't. And I know as a manager, it really helped me to manage people's expectations, which is, you know, I want to know if there's a problem as soon as you're aware of it yeah, so that we can fix it together. And I have that insight so that I can then manage other people's expectations outside of this team. You know, it was things like that. Yeah. You know, it was really great. And I, I definitely recommend it. it. And it definitely helped to... I think create that balance and that mutual we're in a relationship together it's there's not a hierarchy in this yes I'm a manager and I have that in my title but I'm no more than do you know what I mean and I think I think here as well like if you work in a smaller business where you don't have like loads of layers of management layers it's perhaps a smaller team there's still stuff here that you can absolutely like learn from in the way that you in you know for example induct a new starter and bring them into the team set your use a bullshit bingo oh set no you're gonna say set. out oh, yes oh, i know i just used it i'm really sorry there's listeners um, out there cringing <laughs> you lay your cards out that's another one we haven't had that one yet <laughs> so this absolutely still, the principles still apply even yeah. if you are in a smaller business environment. This is not just exclusive to medium to large organisations. No, um, and it's really important that, you know, we spend that time investing in each other and creating that relationship from the off yeah. and getting that in the right direction. Yeah. It's that, you know, you don't have to be in a multi-laid organisation to still take the approach of for people you meet, you find and seek connections. I mean, that's in itself is like a great thing to do and a simple thing to start doing. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, interestingly, if you want to find out more about how you build connections, we actually did an episode about that very subject yes, we did. in season one. Season one. Gosh, yeah. I don't know what that sounds like now, though. Maybe we shouldn't have more people listening to it. Season oh, one. Gosh. Oh, God, it was ages ago. Maybe we need some feedback on season yes. one. <laughs> Listen to the episode on connection, connecting with mm. others. Um <laughs> And let us know. Another great resource for this as well, because we're talking about relationship building and I I think it'd be silly to not mention it, is there are plenty of really amazing personality profiling tools out there that really help in this area about better understanding yourself and your preferred style of behaviour and, and and working that and that of others that can really help to gain insight. So DISC is a personal favourite of both mine and Susie's. Um, help definitely worth exploring but there are other personality prover I can't speak personality profiling god that's a tongue twister um t- uh, activities tools available but definitely worth checking out so I think there is a final point that I just wanted to kind of say which I think there with this there is a watch out and that is that um in my experience some people in especially in a larger organization can can become so good at managing upwards that that actually then becomes like part of their role and their purpose to uh, like from others outside looking inwards it kind of feels that that's perhaps all that they do or all that they strive for in terms of achieving and and actually you know we need to remember that influencing and managing upwards is an important part of our role in being successful but so is actually influencing and managing relationships with our peers and with our colleagues and with our team so it's not an either or like they're very much equal in terms of their importance so don't let your focus on managing upwards hurt other relationships or undermine other relationships or teamwork that's still going on they're still absolutely critical so I just wanted to add that as a final point because I think that is something just to be mindful of it's time for our new feature for season three of the coaching cast and that is workplace shame this week we have a listener workplace shame few because that means that like I don't have to share any more <laughs> stories not for now anyway keep listening tune in for more of those treats but this one has come from one of our listeners so I'm going to read it out word for word as they've sent it through to us so it begins I remember being in an interview once for my first translation job and it was in a Cheshire town in the middle of nowhere when they asked me if I had any questions for them I blurted out what do you do for lunch <laughs> I have no idea where it came from and what it wasn't my famous moment. 
they must have been feeling kind as I still somehow managed to get the job. Well, great, great response, great result for you. Uh, That's a lot cleaner than many of my workplaces. Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm mine. But and obviously it is a question they valued. I mean, I think really? it's a cool question. I'm always about I'm about the lunch. I need what, to know what do you do well. for lunch. That's hilarious. That's a great story. Um <laughs> oh. thank you very much, listener, let's, for sharing that work. Thank you thing. so much. Really appreciate that. And if you've got a workplace shame you would like us to feature in a future episode, you can DM us on Instagram at the coaching cast or email us hello at the coachingcast.co.uk and you can be in a future episode. It's now time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which make us cringe. Today's Bullshit Bingo, and it's a word rather than a phrase, is roadmap, <laughs> which was given to us by one of our Instagram followers slash listeners. So thank you very much to that CBB. We much appreciate it. So yes, roadmap. Roadmap. Ooh. What do you think of this, Lisa? So I worked in an organisation that loved roadmap, yeah. and roadmaps, plural, to the point where the department created a visual of a roadmap. And actually, mm. uh, it was one of the senior managers that I think drew the image and he was so proud of himself over it. So we had this visual of a roadmap. It was literal. It looked like a yeah. road. And it was printed onto like huge paper and every department in the organization had it and it had its symbols on there so it's like a real visual representation and it just used to get talked about all the time about this particular roadmap but I mean this organization changed things every five seconds so the roads were always different <laughs> the maps were always different it was every just like, time. yeah so and you became desensitized to it massively like got another roadmap <laughs> roadmap <laughs> I was just like I don't know I just was like we're not even moving on this bloody roadmap we're spending so much time at the start drawing roadmaps and like having competitions about who can draw the best roadmap it was just like oh, I just yeah annoying and I'm a really visual person but yeah it just got very tedious but I think that's just the way it was misused but yeah roadmap I love how they drew a roadmap that's amazing like that's hilarious and oh, um, I have experienced many a roadmap definitely um I've never never like written well not written drawn on myself um I'm trying to think if I've ever used this no I think I tend to use plan yeah I think I just use the roadmap roadmap. yeah but isn't every map a roadmap though like doesn't every map feature roads I suppose it doesn't really you get map you get map of the world that doesn't have a road on it it's Mm. too high up you know you can't you can't see the roads from space probably not mm. in the day, maybe in the night. Anyway, I'm. this is getting out of control. The, <laughs> the point is, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Do you know what? Roadmap, I can feel myself feeling anxious. Oh, gosh. It gets in my chest. I'm it's like, evoking oh. strong reactions from Lisa. No. We always have one of these, like now and again, where you get really strong reactions to a particular bullshit bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Brings up a lot of bad memory. Mm. <laughs> like, oh dear. Not, not frustration. <laughs> sodding roadmap. Yeah. Right. Well, well anyway. We absolutely love hearing your bullshit bingos. Uh, I in particular love hearing them because I look after our email inbox. So I love it when they come in. They make my day. So please, uh, if you have any bullshit bingos you would like us to feature in a future episode, CBeebies, we would love to hear them. So drop us a DM on Instagram or you can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk. So we're coming to the end of today's episode where we've been talking about managing our managers and our stakeholders. So our tips from today for you to try are all centered really around putting yourself in control and taking responsibility. So the first one is remember your manager is a human being. So don't vilify them. Help yourself to be in a productive headspace to take things forward. So seek areas to connect with them and start building that relationship. The second one is what are you asking of them and what are you offering in return? So as we've talked about, it's so important to cultivate that really equal balanced relationship that's two way. So it's really important to think about what your asks and offers. 
Number three, manage expectations. This is especially crucial, we think, in terms of your managing your wider stakeholders, growing those stakeholder relationships in your network. People really appreciate understanding what's going to happen when, what's going on. So managing expectations is hugely important. And then the fourth and final one, which was Susie's watch out, was don't just manage up. It's one of the relationships you have to foster at work, but it's only one of them. It's not all of them. And nobody likes a really arrogant career progression striver who just only is ever trying to get a promotion <laughs> by managing up. Remember, it's really important, actually, for your own success, success to manage down, across, all around to achieve success. So as well as those top tips, we've got some questions for you to ask yourself this week as well. So number one, what's the one thing that could improve your relationship with your manager? How will you take action to achieve this and when will you do it? Number two is who in your organization or who you work with, would it be most useful to have a relationship with? How can you build this relationship? And the third thing is consider your asks and offers. What do you want from others and what do you offer in return? Don't worry too much about remembering these top tips today. You can find them on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week. And you'll also be able to find a lot of our historical top tips from all three seasons of The Coaching Cast on our grid. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we honestly love hearing from you. So please contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or on Instagram at thecoachingcast. Your support means everything as always. Therefore, if you like what you've heard, then give The Coaching Cast a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. Leave us a review on Apple and Google podcasts. And most importantly, subscribe to all future episodes wherever you listen. Don't forget, you can also watch us if you really want to see what's going on <laughs> on our YouTube channel, which you can find by searching The Coaching Cast. So in our episode next week, we are going to be talking about running our own businesses versus holding a corporate job. And this is something that you, our CBBs, have given us some feedback that you would like to uh, hear us talk about. So we're going to take that on board and that's going to be the focus of our uh, episode next week. We both love music and use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting, wherever you are. So this week is my choice and I've chosen Play Dead by Bjork. Doesn't sound that motivational. No, but it is a great track. Okay, it isn't what it says on the tin. No, so give it a chance. Bit of old school Bjork. Anyway, thanks very much for listening as always, CBBs. Have a great week. And remember, you've got this. Bye.